This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Data gets disarmed! Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that is a featherless biped. My name is Gepwin, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week we've got the, it's like the first of their super iconic, like this is Star Trek, this is the next generation, this is the, the big cerebral speechy stuff we're doing. We even have a full-on Picard speech that's like, hmm, I have been moved. Yeah, and I don't prepared to say this is really the first, but it's definitely the first big iconic Picard looks straight at the camera and tells you how morally wrong you are as an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, Maddox gets most the you know the uh, the ire, but yeah, <laughs> mm. <laughs> they will get to that. But there's a full on turn to the camera saying, "What do you think, camera?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been thinking about this stuff, and here's where you might have gotten things wrong. Just FYI. <laughs> so this is Measure of a Man, the big data trial episode mm-hmm. that uh, raises some weird questions about a lot of stuff, but including uh, what what is the uh, legal structure of uh, you know what a person is in the Federation at this point? Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense at all, yeah. even a little. <laughs> No, uh, I guess maybe it's sort of one of those things where they have a you know a certain rule for like you make contact with some aliens and you, they just sort of get effectively grandfathered in, in a way. Uh, yeah, until but, you, you have know. to challenge something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know this is a little different situation, so they're like, "Fuck if we know." <laughs> so this episode was written by one Melinda M. Snodgrass. Indeed. Sorry, I didn't make that name up. Yeah. <laughs> She uh, is a retired. <laughs> she was a retired attorney. Became a writer. Uh, had previously written the original series novels, um, *Tear of the Singers*. She also um, had some environment in something called the *Wild Cards* anthology series, which was written alongside George R. R. Martin. Huh. Uh, so, good writing creds on this one. Yes, and. Uh... It's also one of those names that I kind of just remember from Star Trek just generally, so that's kind of a good mm. sign. So Yeah, well, this specific script... Now, that's hard to say. <laughs> this specific script, there we go, was sent in as a spec script during the 1988 writer's strike, um, mm-hmm. which is apt since we're in the middle of another one of those now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people liked it so much that they brought her on as a story editor for the rest of the season. You know, she uh, will go on to work on uh, the uh, the next episode, uh, one uh, later, Contagion, uh, The Royale, which is terrible, uh, Times mm-hmm. Squared, <laughs> uh, The Icus Factor, Pen Pals, Q Who, The Meriton Snare, uh, up the long ladder, manhunt, <laughs> the emissary, peak performance, shades of gray. Oh, uh, yeah. Forget so that last one. <laughs> one or two of those is pretty good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she did uh, uh, write uh, also up the long ladder specifically. Mm. Uh, which not not running from strength to strength here particularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the second season. It's a little weird. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, as a, as a strong union supporter, I guess I'm a little disappointed that one of the best episodes is the scab script. Uh, 
It's also apparently ran long, like in terms of like what they actually ended up shooting. So there was like somewhere out there a extended version with like yeah i i didn't get a chance to look that up there there are deleted scenes there's there's all kinds of stuff for this episode mm-hmm. like yeah, this... Well, we wanted to have data swimming at the beginning but we had trouble with the makeup mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so they had to do that later in, in insurrection so uh we've got a pretty tight cast we got a few guest stars but this is mostly core group stuff mm-hmm. this is what that next gen does really well it brings in like two or three extra people to augment the core group and then really digs in on something very cerebral sort of like a, uh, a bottle show but you know we're asking things more than a normal bottle sh- bottle show would so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so brian brophy is playing commander bruce maddox he um had previously appeared in the final episode of max headroom before this and he later went on to be in a lot of film roles like and stuff called the player and he was in shawshank redemption so he's been in stuff you've heard of including a lot of things you haven't but you know <laughs> yeah and then of course people will know maddox because they brought him in as an ill-conceived tie-in in uh, the first season of star trek picard yeah which i guess i didn't necessarily uh you know find horrible myself but, you know it is sort of like well if we're going to be talking about androids you kind of have to at least mention this guy uh, but... you should yeah but but someone anyone who wrote for picard season one could have maybe watched this episode yeah. <laughs> at least once and and maybe not completely undermined every theme of artificial life that they've had throughout every iteration of the star trek series for some reason uh, oh he was also in uh terror tracks track of the vampire oh <laughs> sure <laughs> it's one of those full motion video games <laughs> clyde Kusato, I'm so bad at names, I'm sorry. Kusato, I think, is playing Admiral Nakamura. He was on a lot of TV roles before this and things like the Ally McBeal show and Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Um, he will also continue playing Admiral Nakamura in this. And uh, he later tried out for Quark in DS9, but of course didn't get that. You know, Armin Shimmerin is kind of awesome in terms of his comedic abilities, so I, mm-hmm. I think they uh, ended up with the right choice. But still, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, he's also very, very into the union stuff, and he's heavily mm-hmm. involved in the LA uh, SAG chapter. Given that we talked about union stuff so much in this and, one, and yet, and yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, he's in this episode. <laughs> well, they have a thing the the um, the writers guild this. Um, the SAG Actors Guild and the Directors Director. Guild don't often strike together. Like, yeah. in fact, never. They might now. Apparently, there was a vote recently. But yeah, well, yeah. The, you know, the directors uh, here uh, is like, all right, we're kind of like tired of all the crap, uh, and we would strike. Oh, you're also messing with us specifically. Well, I guess that solves that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Generally, they don't uh, coordinate uh, their efforts. So. Mm. So, yeah, so you have weird stuff like that where the actors are still... Well, I mean, obviously the actors are still working when there's writer's strikes. Otherwise, nothing would happen, which would be yes. better, but, you know. Some of those productions get delayed because, like, oh, our script is awful and we should have edited it before we, you know, try to film anything. And also, uh, there's people protesting, so, uh, you know, maybe we should not film today, so, you know. And then finally, we have Amanda McBroom playing captain phillips uh phillips phillips love 
Wait, Lovis? Now I'm Philippa my, my Le- name's Levois. bad. Lovois. Oh my god, you're right, it's French. Yes. No. <laughs> Lovois. I'm never gonna be able to read it. No. <laughs> French is my most bad weakness on reading. I uh, thought I, I would had trouble reading English, and then I encountered this. Oh my god. Yeah, well, uh, you know, some of English is made out of French, so. Mm-hmm. I know, it's a problem. But she's been in some things, like Gunsmoke. Yeah, and... Hawaii Five-O. Taxi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in many 70s shows. Police Story, Gunsmoke, Taxi, and uh, was in a reoccurring role in Hawaii Five-O, Five-O that she's probably best known for. Mm-hmm. Ah, I apologize. I have a migraine today and my mouth doesn't work right, so there's going to be more weirdness than usual in this oh, episode. <laughs> well, this is a good episode to have more weirdness because, you know, we're, we're being all intellectual and stuff that way. Yeah, being all serious. <laughs> oh, hey, and she was also in the Fawns and the Happy Days gag. Really? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> as additional voices. And as we mentioned before, there's an extended cut of this episode that was released in 2012. Uh, we both watched the original, and I did the synopsis for the original, so we're not going to be mentioning any of the additional additional bits, the deleted scenes, even though there's some good stuff in there. I saw a couple quotes. Seems like they had some some okay stuff that could have been added in, but of course, their TV shows are very time-constrained. Maybe Melissa, uh, Melinda, uh, uh, Snodgrass here, is like, I have a great idea for a episode. Oh, you want to be story editor? Fine. All right, I guess I'll keep doing that, but... I, I'm done. I, I did my opus here, so. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We did an episode and then got brought on for an ill-conceived notion of doing more. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, there's going to be a lot to dig into here, so we're going to try to be succinct. I mean, there's not a lot of story. There's a courtroom scene, essentially. <laughs> yes, the extended one. So Enterprise is having a very, very light week. They're going to a starbase near the neutral zone for a standard crew rotation. Hmm, so they're going to spin around in circles? Excellent. Hmm. Um, since they all have time off, we see Pulaski, LaForge, Data, and O'Brien with Riker playing poker. Uh, this is the first of the poker games that becomes a reoccurring thing. Data expresses his confidence and his abilities because, you know, there's a limited number of card combinations and he should be able to accurately predict the outcome of each hand. Um, this doesn't last long because Riker bluffs a lot and (laughs) uses a possible straight to beat Data who is confused as to why you would bet on cards that can't win. And he's like, but I did win. See, yeah, that's how the game works. <laughs> you, know, you know, the uh, you you understand the rules of the game, data, and maybe some of the culture around it, but you don't know how to apply it quite yet. So on the starbase, Picard runs into an old friend and/or love interest and antagonist, mm-hmm. Captain Lavois, 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 whatever, Lavois. Why French? Why? And also, none of the French people in this entire series, no one, has a French accent ever. Well, for uh, you know, I guess uh, some uh, of the folks there, I'm guessing it's probably like a uh, a translator thing, like universal <laughs> translator, and uh, and only if people have quirky accents do they uh, actually are, are trying to speak English. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been just the entire running thing. Whoever designed the translator, like Picard's actually speaking French the entire time, but whoever designed the universal translator made it so that anyone speaking French is translated with a British accent. <laughs> Do I really sound like this? Oh, well, yes. Uh, well, why, my accent's all wrong. <laughs> 
So, Leva is the JAG officer for this sector, which is some sort of military legal thing I sort of don't understand well. It's uh, like uh, justice and jagginess, I guess. Yeah, justice <laughs> I should have looked this up. gratuity, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, she's newly set up, has no staff and whatever, but she's excited because she's on the frontier, the frontier of legalness. Oh, you know. Judge Advocate General, there we go. Now that makes, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, we're on the frontier. She got some legalness going on. Go. She also, apparently, was the prosecutor in Picard's court-martial over the Stargazer, and he's still a little bit pissed about that. She kind of defends. It's like, yeah, I've got, you know, it's sort of just standard procedure. You shouldn't be all, like, been out of shape over it, but, you know. So they're interrupted by Admiral Nakamura, who is accompanied by one Commander Maddox, who's taking on a tour of the ship and they end on the bridge where maddox goes hey look here's data he's mine now say what yeah. <laughs> what do you mean mine <laughs> so uh, they all take data and maddox to the observation lounge to figure out what's going on uh maddox wants to run experiments on data he's been oh. he's like trying to reassign him you know uh maddox is extremely unpleasant and very dismissive and continues to refer to data as it you know he's he's dick yeah, <laughs> he's our designated asshole for this episode. Uh, he thinks that he's close to being able to recreate data and wants to take him apart and figure out how he works so that he can solve the last few problems like how he doesn't know how to make a positronic brain. Yes, you know, that thing that, you know, he's trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, data thinks that this research is ill-conceived and could probably damage him. Uh, Picard agrees that he doesn't want to risk one of his officers in such a risky endeavor. But Maddox has thought of this and has orders to transfer data over to his command. And then he has to submit to medical testing, apparently. This doesn't, that, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so uh, just come all over and uh, we'll uh, poke and prod you and download your brain into the computer. And so you'll be effectively dead. It's fine. So uh, Picard wants to stop this and tries to look at Federation regulations regarding transfer. But he can't make heads or tails of the legal nonsense. So he goes to Laveau's for help. And the only option, apparently, is for Data to resign. Oh, uh, that kind of sucks for Data, actually. It's like, well, I guess my entire uh, career in Starfleet is just over because one guy decided I want, you know, I want to take this guy apart. I still think there's a bit of a problem given the, like, just because the person transfers you to their command... I, it, it doesn't make any sense that even for a machine you'd be able to order someone to go through a medical procedure that they didn't, you know, consent to. I don't think you can order someone in the military to go through an experimental medical procedure. Mm, there, I guess there has been instances where that has happened, though. And uh, yeah, it has. In terms of in terms but of more routine bad, stuff, that you know, that they can, uh, yeah, and uh, so there's there's some definite badness in the history there, but there's also the you know, if you could sell it as, oh, this is just routine or is not actually hurting someone, like Maddox probably would in this uh, case, you know, then it's fine, right? So Data does start to resign, starts packing. Maddox barges in, starts looking through his stuff, you know, without even knocking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is, he's just treating Data's quarters like a storage room. So he wants to talk to Data out of resigning, but Data's adamant about protecting his own life. Uh, not just because he cares about living, but because he is a unique life form. And if he's destroyed, then that would be gone from the universe. Yeah. And, uh, the Vulcans would be quite cross about that because, you know, 
infinite diversity and all that. Yeah. So Maddox, having failed to convince Data, uh, goes to Laveau's to try to stop Data from resigning. He thinks Data is a robot and should be treated as property, like the Enterprise computer. Because, you know, hmm. the computer couldn't refuse a refit, though... I do think given the number of times that computers have just spontaneously become sentient, maybe if it <laughs> did refuse a refit, you should think about what you're doing a minute. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, you know, even later in this series, the Enterprise just kind of suddenly manifests an, a life form of some sort. And it's, you know, kind of confused for a while what's going on. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, this sort of stuff just happens in our universe here. So maybe we should have some... I don't know, preparations for what to do in terms of like... Yeah, you know, it's actually rules. kind of surprising <laughs> that they don't already have some sort of legal standpoint or at least standard operating procedures for a computer has randomly become sentient. Yes, <laughs> there's been some emergence here. So, you know, uh, Moriarty, what's up? <laughs> so Laveau thinks that there may be legal positions supporting the fact that data may be property and has to undergo these experiments. Now, I, I believe she, like, cites case law from the 21st century, which sounds a little out of date. <laughs> yeah, well, we still do. We still do stuff like that. Well, yeah, but also, like, the uh, entire, uh, you know, nation-state model of, you know, the, the time period is long ended. And the, the United Earth has happened. And, you know, we've entered a larger government that, you know, should have laws superseding that. So No, 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 no. You don't understand. At some point, America just took over. <laughs> Well, you know, despite participating in World War III, uh, I guess the U.S. was better off in the end than a lot of other places. So uh, I guess that makes sense, sort of. <laughs> so the crew is throwing Data a going-away party. He very, very carefully unwraps presents, and everyone makes fun of him for it. But this is how <laughs> I've always unwrapped presents. It's it's more fun to try to, to try to see how little you can rip the paper. Yeah, it's like solving a puzzle. Yeah. Both me and my partner unwrap presents this way. And that's why you're compatible, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Data heads over to LaForge, who's sadly staring out the window. And they sadly talk about how unfair the situation is. Now they're going to miss each other because they're besties, best friends. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, you know, Data's main connections. And, uh, there's someone here who sees him as a friend. And Data's kind of the same way. It's like, yeah, this is... Some real, like, humanist stuff going on here. Hint, so, hint. Laveau, so uh, Laveau calls in Picard and Riker, saying that, in her legal opinion, Data cannot resign because he's the property of Starfleet. Uh, Picard challenges this, and she has no staff, so that means that the two ranking officers on the nearest ship that she can grab have to do prosecutorial stuff. Yeah, so gotta, gotta duke it out. Yeah. So Picard is going to be the defendant for Data, and Riker has to be the prosecutor trying to argue against Data. Riker tries to refuse, but she says that if he does, she just rules against Data. So Riker now must argue that Data is not a full living being. So uh, I'm going to call BS on her sort of, I guess, uh, uh, framing this in a very... I guess basically the way she does it, because it's pretty dang clear that Riker, having you know been a long time you know friend mm -hmm. and coworker of Data, it's basically impossible for him to be impartial. Yeah, and, I recuse yeah. myself for conflict of interest. Yes, <laughs> that's not a thing in the future, apparently. 
<laughs> you know, you just gotta, you know, uh, take the dive and, uh, you know, as a Starfleet mm-hmm. officer, you're able to put, you know, all your emotions aside. Wait, was this rule written by a Vulcan? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the Vulcan's like, everyone should be able to argue anything with pure logic and no emotion. <laughs> and, you know, uh, conflicts of interest, they just don't exist by fiat, so... <laughs> So in the courtroom, uh, Riker begins. He makes a point that Data is a machine. He shows that he has superhuman abilities. Um, He's going to shock everyone by removing his arm. And he ends by hitting Data's off button. Whoops. Picard asks for recess, because darn. (laughs) I want to point out, uh, there was a brief uh, scene uh, before they got to the courtroom here where Riker is seen basically doing research on data and he finds himself smiling when he comes across some useful information. And then he feels he has suddenly change of his uh, uh, yeah. expression to like, Oh wait, now I feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, yeah. nice bit of acting in there of like, yes, yes I'm going to win. Oh damn. I'm going to win. Yeah. It's like well, winning is nice. Oh, but we the end of my friend. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Picard goes to 10 forward um, to be alone in the dark and be sad. But uh, Guinan's there, and she's going to talk through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, another thing I want to point out here is that this scene wasn't actually originally in the script, but, you know, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was on set that, you know, for the week, <laughs> so they're like, hey, we're going to do a scene with you, so here. Oh, that's good. It's like, hey, maybe we should get, get Whoopi Goldberg to talk about the history of all of this, because, you know, she kind of knows some shit about this. Yes, uh... <laughs> Yeah, she might be, you know, technically an alien, but, you know, she's both been to Earth in the uh, 19th century. And, mm. you know, you know, in the meta context level, she's a black lady in yeah. the United States. There's some history there in terms yeah, of, is. you know, you know, people that have been treated as property. So Guinan talks to talks to Picard about how this isn't really about whether or not Data is a machine. Like, you know, he, he is. You can't argue that. <laughs> But what happens when Maddox creates more Datas? If you say Data's not a human, if he doesn't have rights, then what happens to all these other things he creates? Do you Mm -hmm. have an entire race of disposable people? Thinking, you know, beings that have self-awareness that are uh, being put to work to do all the things that you just don't want to. So back in court, it's Picard's turn for his big old Picard speech. Buckle in, folks. <laughs> so, Picard concedes to all of the points that have been made. Data's a machine? Great. Humans are also sort of machines? Fine. Uh, data was created by a human, much like people are probably created by humans in a way. It's all kind of, mm-hmm. you know, point of view. Yeah, you know, there's some people involved in some fashion, and, you know, it might be a biological process, but still people making people. So, he calls Data the stand. Hmm starts going through the stuff that he packed and says you have some useless stuff in here like why are you bringing medals it's like because you're proud of them and why are you bringing a book because it reminds you of having friendships and camaraderie mm-hmm. and he's like why do you have a portrait of tasha and he goes like mm, 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 mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I promise not to say you guys yeah. come on <laughs> no she was special anyway suffice it yeah. to say yeah so card then calls maddox who believes data is not sentient. So, you know, we're dodging around the question. What is sentience? Mm-hmm. Right. He says that he has intelligence, self-awareness, and consciousness. So he says, well, 
prove I'm sentient, Maddox, right? <laughs> like, can you prove that I, Picard, am sentient? It's like, you know, why am I sentient and Data's not? Like, Maddox yeah, says that he has self-awareness. He goes like, well, that's the second of your three. So let's look at your three criteria. Data's intelligent. No one argues that he's not intelligent. He's yes. aware of his surroundings and what's happening, so he seems self-aware. Mm-hmm. So what if he's got consciousness we can't even define consciousness so what if he does even a little bit then what is he then then what do we have yeah then we have uh, uh the uh the, the silicon life firms from home soil right yeah this is the bit where he turns to the camera he's like what is he then i don't know do you <laughs> <laughs> well do you got one <laughs> i mean it's pretty obvious he's sentient to begin with so you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> then he goes okay one android that's impressive and it's a curiosity but more once you start making all these things once you have a thousand androids that's a new race of people and mm -hmm. how are we going to treat them are they going to be up for uh, medical experimentation whenever you feel like are they going to be uh you know one assigned to each ship in the federation advanced experts that will be able to handle all sorts of problems that and go into dangerous situations where you know the crew doesn't want to go or are they going to be uh, uh mining the lithium uh and uh, waiting for the day when they uh, get to read a uh, hollow novel. Yeah, probably that one. So Lavoz does not have the background to decide this. She's like, does he have a soul? I don't know. We can't legally decide if someone has a soul. I'm like, that's a stupid thing to decide. Stop saying that. You're supposed to be a, an officer of the law. Yes. <laughs> we should be past this by now. Come on. <laughs> Maybe the reason that uh, Picard was so uh, annoyed with Lavoie wasn't that she tried to prosecute him, but that she was bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> but she does say that it seems Data should have the right to choose what happens to him. Data formally refuses to submit to the experiment. Maddox stops the transfer. And Data is still interested in his research, so he says, I'll be willing to help when you have progressed far enough that I think you're ready. Oh, well, well, thanks. I mean, I'm just trying to kill you. You don't huh. know bad feelings? Uh, Maddox is also referring to Data as he now, instead of it. That's nice. He had to turn around. Oh, he's uh, evolved slightly as a person. Hooray! And now, back on the ship, Data tracks down Riker, because he's not going to celebrations. And he says he doesn't have a right to go to the celebrations, because he almost won the case. And Data says, nope, what you did was do something to help me that hurt you. And I will never forget it. Yeah, because, you know, once again, you know, if Riker had uh, refused, you know, even with good reason, you know, Lavoie would have ruled summarily. And it's like, yeah, so by not, you know, backing down and, you know, going through all this, you know, nonsense, you, you saved me. So mm -hmm. thanks. It's so good. It's such a good friendship mm -hmm. moment at the end. Yes. And it's like, why would I be mad at you? You did something to help me that you hated. Mm -hmm. So good on you, Data. Good on you, Riker, even though you almost won. All right. I was going to say, what do we think? But this is probably the best episode in TNG yeah. <laughs> overall. It certainly is as far as uh, ones we've covered so far. So and so it's like a kind of a hands down. Yeah, this one's good. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. I mean, they needed to do a lot of stuff to make the episode function. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that you don't necessarily think of it speaks to how good the writing is and how well they set up the stuff. Yes. But it is kind of an odd one if you actually take a second to look at it because um, what is happening here? Like, how can you let someone 
join your most prestigious military organization <laughs> for years achieve a rank of lieutenant commander which is like two ranks down from captain yes <laughs> and then be like well we're not completely sure whether you have rights sorry <laughs> so that's a oopsie on our part but given it's an oopsie we can uh, change things and suddenly you're now our property mm-hmm because you know you showed up to the recruiting station, I guess. <laughs> Fighters keepers. Now we, I work ahead on this writing stuff, and I was uh, like, when I was writing this, I was like, this is this is disappointingly relevant. And then mm -hmm. the further we've gotten towards recording, so I'm like, this is even more disappointingly relevant. Oh no. <laughs> so uh, shall we be talking about AI or something else? No, this is more to do with your um, basic general human rights stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, those people things, you know. Yeah, because, you know, this isn't really about AI. This episode is mm -hmm. not about AI. And all the stuff that people are talking about now, just to get it out of the way, all the things that people are talking about, it's like AI, AI is going to take over, AI is going to mm -hmm. turn on us and, you know, start shooting. Uh, none no, of the no, stuff that we're doing yeah. is actually AI. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, algorithms and with the uh, sticker slapped on top. <laughs> yeah. They're complicated algorithms. They mirror some neural learning patterns in order to do their algorithmic predictions. But they're mm -hmm. not. They're not AI. They're not. They're not thinking about anything. They're completely unaware of anything pertaining to themselves. What they're doing. It's your Chinese box scenario. Yeah, we're just putting a couple things that seem to go together together, and there you go. And. Uh... Yeah, now, uh, you know, pay for the full version for a better version. Yeah. So, you know, we're not talking about AI rights. Yes. Because, you know, <laughs> that's not really a, a thing right now. <laughs> yeah. This episode is very explicitly, and even in the text, says directly in the conversation with Guinan, that what you're talking about is whether or not some people in your society have rights that others don't. Indeed. And how you decide who those people are. So, uh, what are we defining as a person here? Yeah. And in terms, you know, and, uh, in terms of, like, the ongoing fights, you know, there's, you know, the, the what what is a, what counts as a person, and what rights are they being bestowed, and are there, you know, certain rights that are not being given to people for reasons, arbitrary or justified, or somewhere in between? And yeah, and one thing this this is just fresh in my mind because I was listening to a thing yesterday. They brought up the horrible anti-trans and anti-LGBT laws that are being put in all over. Very specifically, mm -hmm. right now, everybody's talking about Florida, but these things are popping up all over the country. Yes, uh, yeah, Florida, I guess, is one of the more active ones, partially because their governor is running for president. Yeah, and yeah, it's like I want to make sure I uh, let everyone know I'm as uh, hostile to the uh, the outgroups as possible so that they'll support me and this was a point that was made in here that they are they're kind of making in this episode this episode's going more on the we as the dominant group will be judged by how we treat others sort of argument but that misses a big part of the of the thing the reason that everyone should care about these things which quite apart from it just being you should care when people's human rights are being abolished yes the point that was brought up is that a country that has a set of laws that applies to some people 
and a set of laws that applies to other people and no laws that apply to some people just has no laws at all you can basically def uh set set up those groupings in an arbitrary fashion so that anyone that you don't want to have a law apply uh, you know laws applying to or to have certain laws apply to you just move the line and then suddenly the people you want to target are suddenly dispowered or they're now enslaved or they're now unable to have a voice in government or you know something else or you know they're unable to make you know informed uh, you know uh, decisions about their own bodies and so it's sort of like you know the, <laughs> if you're able to sort of shift things so uh, easily there then what's the point of having any laws yeah and they you can see how they put this stuff in with like way back when when the country was deciding stuff on slavery they mm -hmm. introduced the just one drop rule because too many white people were having like rape affairs with enslaved people and having illegitimate kids and they went well eventually you know further farther enough down we're not going to be able to tell who's who just by looking so we have to introduce these stupid policies of like if you had any african ancestry at all you don't count as a full human you know after uh, the end of slavery uh you got the sort of equivalent of the you know uh, grandfather laws it's like oh you're uh, you know your grandfather wasn't able to vote well neither are you actually yeah and then all of this stuff that people are doing now i i heard this interesting point that like all of these laws that people are trying to hold up and say we need to protect and change and make sure aren't altered for various groups very specifically trans people right now they're all the the flavor of attack of the moment mm -hmm. but things like you shouldn't be able to change your name or gender on your driver's license and that's a big deal uh driver's licenses weren't a thing for a while they were originally put in as a system to prevent black people from being able to drive and move from state to state easily whoops so uh yeah <laughs> it seems that we have a once again a holdover of uh uh, racist policies that has now kind of become ubiquitous in yeah. society essentially any time that you have one of these policies in america that we're now using to say well this is a really important thing that we should be using to to beat people down or you know, they don't say it that way it's what they mean but they say we need to protect yeah. this it's important and we need to protect it and we all care about it right everybody cares about your driver's license and other such government ids and regulations and things any of these, any time you have a arbitrary restriction on yourself that you need a license or identification or whatever for, it was originally put in to keep black people from being able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much universally, including gun laws. Like, we're having such an argument about gun restrictions now. Gun laws were originally put in place to restrict what they considered to be radical elements from rebelling against the government they didn't like that too many black people had guns and they felt threatened so they put in gun ownership restrictions I, i'm recalling uh ronald reagan uh, as governor of california was uh you know uh, big about gun regulations suddenly after it's like oh uh, the black panthers have guns that that's that can't be allowed oh. yeah reagan was for gun restrictions because he didn't want the black panthers to be armed mm -hmm. and so you know it's it always gets kind of like a little absurd when uh you know you know conservatives like yeah we've always been uh, against gun regulations like 
Mm, not really, actually. <laughs> hmm. So what's my point here, other than just saying, you know, it always comes back to racism in America, which broadly, yes. Uh, but the point oh, yeah, is... You know, the point is you sort of laid it out so far definitely seems to be that boundary thing you've already, you know, you know spoken mm-hmm. of. But is, is there more to it, Captain? <laughs> no. It's like, that is the, they said that you need these in place, you need these laws in place to protect white people from black people. That was why they were put in originally. And then once mm-hmm. you have that, once you've said, here's our in-group and here's our out-group, then you can just keep moving it around and say, well, now gay people are in the are in the out-group and now trans people are in the out-group and we can use this exact same thing to restrict them. Mm-hmm. But it's the same sort of thing that you hit with like, the fascist party systems like none of this stuff affects me as a random cis white dude badly like you know before i worked out how queer i am anyway but just using myself as the random example (laughs) like we're like this doesn't affect you particularly badly it's a little annoying to have to go into the dmv but people aren't actively using it to restrict you as much so you think it's normal and you think the people who are complaining about it are crazy because for you it's a mild inconvenience yeah i'm suddenly reminded of the numerous conversations i've had uh, with uh, folks have uh, uh you know dealt with in mostly online spaces but sometimes elsewhere uh that you know they are totally convinced that getting a driver's license is the easiest thing in the world because they live in a place where it actually is really easy they can you know, in some cases can literally walk to the, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, you know, motor vehicle department there. And, uh, and, you know, the cost is either minuscule compared to their, uh, you know, their income or, you know, borderline free in some cases. And then they, you know, need to learn about, uh, you know, places like in Mississippi, where it's like, yes, the uh, place to get a uh, license or state idea is a couple counties over and only has limited hours and you know oh you don't have any way to get over there well other than maybe i don't know getting a really expensive uber you know because it's quite the drive you know which case you know the money starts piling up and also oh hey you know we're gonna you know do our best to make sure you're you know charged to the nose even if we are claiming that some of this is free and oh you didn't bring all your proper uh, documentation well it's kind of too bad that you know you were you know, uh, born in a, a small hospital in rural, uh, you know, nowhere there. You know, we don't have all the information there or even where to get this information from. So you obviously don't exist despite you standing right here. Sorry. So as a lot of people say, like, if you, for some reason, need more of a reason to care about this, then they're restricting people's human rights and doing genocides. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think this isn't going to affect you, it already is affecting you. Yep. <laughs> they just haven't bothered to put the foot down in your direction yet. Yes. You now the uh, the effects are you know mild uh, from your point of view, but they don't necessarily have to be mild. So you know, maybe we should uh, ease up on some of all this. Yeah. Once they're doing the things, you know, it's that good old, you know, first they came for quote with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you know we are not x y and z i didn't care but then suddenly there's nobody around though uh, i want to paraphrase a george decay quote that i saw recently paraphrasing because i can't remember it exactly was first they came for the trans people and we said oh hell no we've seen this before yes (laughs) i like that one
<laughs> and then we fought back, and uh, then they uh, decided to stop coming for people, uh, you know, and at least for a little while. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the annoying thing about all this is that, yeah, we do have to kind of keep, you know, refighting these battles. Uh, it's like, yeah, we made some progress. You know, you know, gay marriage is now legal. Hooray. Oh, there's been a massive change on the Supreme Court. And, you know, if something like this comes up again, they'll uh, overturn it, turn it like they did Roe v. Wade. Well, huh. the gay marriage thing is interesting to look at because that's the system working in the other direction. <laughs> Because once you legalized gay marriage, now you have a very specific set of gay people who are considered socially acceptable. Yes. And now you can take the people who are in that specific set of gay people, the generally white, well-off, uh, respectable gay couple who both look fairly straight to the average person. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, you want to keep your nice, comfortable married life, don't you? Aren't these other people messing it up for you? Aren't the ones that we've now deemed to be socially unacceptable messing up your nice little life with these tiny little rights we've given you? Yeah. So uh, come join our crusade against, you know, uh, you know these other folks over here. Because obviously they're here to take away your perfect living environment. You know, uh, I was actually uh, watching a thread earlier on uh, the, uh, the, the one horrible bird site there. Um, that about uh, someone who's basically gone the far uh, down the far right rabbit hole, despite themselves being trans, I think. So yeah, like, it happens. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you became you know acceptable enough to the to the folks that hate you that you're okay with going down the same path? Yeah. And what nuts is a, this? <laughs> this is a bit of a problem with all this. Like, you can't even really trust these legal rights that they give you because legal rights are only as good as the people enforcing them mm -hmm. like you have the right to a lot of things that doesn't mean that the police are not going to do horrible things to you when they get the chance if you look wrong like oh uh yeah we've uh broken in the wrong house and started opening fire because you know the person there thought we were burglars and now they're all dead yeah well, let's try to get the right house next time. Well, there was that recent, there was that thing a few years ago of I accidentally walked into the wrong apartment and started shooting, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, and you know, I guess thankfully for at least one of those sorts of incidents in there, uh, you know, the lady uh, who did that did actually get in some trouble and actually went to trial. So, you know, that's a nice change of pace. But still, it's sort of like, yeah, just because, you know, you carry a badge doesn't mean you should have special rights. The fact that it going to trial is, is like the nice outcome is kind of uh, yeah, kind of an issue. I don't remember how the trial ended up uh, or if it's over. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, I guess my general point seems to be minorities shouldn't trust the government. You know, I guess for my own point is, you know, we have to not be, I guess, uh, Resting on our laurels, as they say, uh, that, you know, if we're going to have a better, freer uh, society, you know, tomorrow and long term, we need to kind of keep up, keeping on uh, in terms of fighting for our rights, not just ourselves, but for those, you know, that are, our fr you know, friends, allies and kind of everybody, because, you know, if they uh, if we don't, then, yeah, there, you know, there's going to be folks that are going to, st you know, you know, uh, you know, gain power enough to start rolling back things and well suddenly a uh, whole group of society is now uh, the uh, the core of a you know the, the next moral panic and their rights are being taken away and well 
then things get started getting worse for them. And when things get, you know, past a certain point with them, suddenly other groups start falling out as well because, oh, now the people that actually, ha- you know, are able to wield power in society is, you know, smaller. The the more, you know, uh, bigoted amongst the uh, the uh, those who are still, you know, empowered, just, well, they can now start cutting out other groups. So, mm-hmm. you know, that sucks. So maybe let's not have this trend to be a thing and, you know, stand up for one another. Yeah. This is one of my core issues that I keep hitting with, like, this uh, 90s liberalism that you continue hitting in Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's presented well, and just because we've moved on a bit doesn't mean that they weren't trying to say something important and relevant at the time. But mm-hmm. this entire episode is a look-how-great-the-system-works episode. Now. <laughs> You had a trial, Picard gives a speech, and then all of a sudden the courts decide that everything's fine. But the fact that the courts decided anything in this is a problem because anyone's basic human rights should never be a point of debate. Yes. I I guess that's maybe one of the reasons I come down extra hard on Lavoie and all this is that she's like, yeah, I'm going to consider uh, this kind of absurd notion that this person standing in front of me isn't actually here. Yeah, because <laughs> judges, people who are making these decisions, get to hide behind case law, and they love it. It's like you're there to make to make to make decisions. You get to hide behind the fact that decisions have been made wrong for hundreds of years. So mm-hmm. you're going to continue making decisions wrong because that's what we've decided our legal system should be. Yes. <laughs> Unless we want to make decisions wrong in a different way, in which case we'll just pretend all that case law doesn't exist. Yeah. But, you know, if we do that, we got to make sure that, you know, got our uh, asses covered in terms of, you know, blowback. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I knew this episode was going to get depressing. Yes. Uh, so, but, but, but get point. I, I, I want to, yeah, let's maybe not have total doomerism here, you know, because but, there, there's still good people around here, and there's uh, you know great allies. People are doing the right fi- uh, thing, doing the uh, fighting on the right side of things here. And if we stand together, we'll be able to like change the world. It's gonna be good. good. Yeah, sometimes a sometimes a appropriately bald cis man with a booming voice will give an entitled speech about how trans people are people too. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I think we've both talked about uh, you, know, you know elsewhere. Uh, that uh, you know, maybe uh, Picard and Data are uh, you know, maybe into each other. <laughs> so maybe there's a little bit more uh, going on here, a little, little more queer reading we could have here. But you know, we're already kind of running along on our time here. So yeah. I mean, personally, I prefer the asexual Picard reading. But. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, Picard, he's just really friends with everyone. Yeah, he's very friendly yeah. and nice. Yeah. yeah, he might be uh, sort of aloof at times, but. Uh, you know, the people he cares about, he really cares about. And, you know, if anybody's going to complain, if people are like, oh, this episode is about slavery or something, and you went on and on about trans rights for an hour. Like, yeah, it's it's like the X-Men. Data in this episode is a pick-your-minority. Yeah, uh, we got things that are relevant now, things that are relevant at other times, and uh, it really kind of comes down to what the horrible news of the day is. So... Mm-hmm. If it's changed between now and then, then that sucks. Um, but it would be nice to not have this pattern repeating over and over again. Ugh. Yeah, at the end of the day, the main problem that you hit with any of these things, be it 
what we're talking about now, the justifications for slavery, any massive human rights violation that we've done against anyone is the basic idea that some people have more rights than other people. And that's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's pretty antithetical to our supposed entire thing as a country. But it's still something we are apparently really, really, uh, oh, yeah, we love really it. into. Yeah. I, this this might not be relevant recently, but like this week, our mayor in New York came out and started filing legal challenges to our right to shelter rules, which basically Ooh. New York has a unique thing where uh, we say that everyone has a basic right to be sheltered if they do mm -hmm. not have anywhere to stay. Well, apparently yeah, basically the only city in the country that has this it would be nice not to like you know freeze out on the street mm -hmm. you know or uh, you know get uh, you know horrible uh, you know pneumonia because you've been in the rain for you know a few days yeah so every person in new york city has a fundamental right to shelter mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that everyone necessarily gets it everyone like has an equal access there's problems there's not enough resources but you have a fundamental right you get to complain legally if you don't get it Yes. And this week, our mayor has put through legal things to challenge that entirely, entirely based on the idea that it is too difficult to do. <laughs> so uh, what's the, uh, uh, you know, the city's budget for police there again? Yeah. I mean, yes, he's like it upped our police budget massively. We have them on every freaking train platform nowadays. It's like billions, right? Oh yeah. Uh, if you <laughs> if you treated the New York City Police Department, the NYPD, as a uh, military organization, mm -hmm. it would be the third largest army in the world. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. Including having out of country bases. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you know uh, go after your uh, international criminals that you know go through New York here. So you know, gotta be able to reach out and mm -hmm. you know, do, the, do they do drone strikes too? Not that I've heard of so far, but uh, it wouldn't mm. surprise. Oh, well, they did just get a dog. They got one of those robot dogs. Oh, the the ones you could flip over? No, the Dyson, not Dyson, Boston Dynamic ones. Dyson makes the vacuums, not yes. the robot dogs. <laughs> now, what if you attacked a robot dog with a Dyson vacuum? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, t t you know, clearly too expensive to like build some, you know, housing for people. Yeah, maybe you could spend less on the robot dogs. Yes. I mean, and my plan on, you know. has been since <laughs> since you know Trump is is now indicted for a bunch of stuff in New York. My plan's always mm -hmm. been to seize Trump Tower and just turn it into uh, a homeless a homeless uh, shelter. <laughs> well, that'd be kind of cool. You know, there's uh, you know probably some. Uh, case law somewhere about you know uh eminent domain where they could just sort of do that right yeah i, I would do yeah. that we also have all these places <laughs> that are building luxury sky rises that are essentially just scams for wealthy people i feel like we should be able yes. to take a few of those i feel yeah, like, like we're just not getting creative enough as a country yes. <laughs> it's like but uh we, we got to have the uh the scam high rises so we can have more property taxes so we can pay for more cops <laughs> right yeah <laughs> anyway i think that the, like this is a legal argument that's being used and i think it's being used elsewhere for other things they're saying that it's too difficult to give people a basic right that we're supposed to be giving mm -hmm. people so they shouldn't have it which is one of those things that i'm going to again say is absurd yeah, if you are unable to provide the rights that the people are owed then you are failing as a government yeah that's how rights work 
Yeah. <laughs> you're not necessarily saying everyone's going to get everything they're entitled to, even though they should, but you are saying you have the legal right to complain about it if you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we just don't want them to complain anymore, so uh, we're going to take away their rights, and uh, boo-hoo to you. Yeah. Now I'm depressed again, Gapwin. Yeah. Well, mm. we've been going for a while, so we could have our normal palate cleansers. Oh, uh, is, it, is, it, is it cookies? Yeah. Cookies while we all listen to the galaxy's favorite game show! Hey everybody, welcome to the galaxy's favorite game show. We got several prizes to hand out this week because we've been racking up more points than we usually see around here. So, uh, Gepon, are you excited? Yeah. Are you super excited? Very excited. Excellent. You can hear it in my voice. How excited. You <laughs> <laughs> can hear it in your voice and uh, the uh, car horns in the background. Yeah, they're excited too. <laughs> Hooray. I'm glad they're tuning in. <laughs> Our uh, first prize is the assignment death prize, which goes to Data because his orders are to basically send him to his death via vivisection. What does Data win, Gipwin? Data wins a mutiny because... I mean, Data's nice and mild-mannered and goes along with orders, etc., etc. But it's a little bit ridiculous for them to go, we're going to forcibly take this person's rights away. And then one of the first things they do in the trial to demonstrate that he's not human is have him bend carbon steel (laughs) with his bare hands. It's like, could you bend this, like, giant immovable bar for me? Thank you. We've now demonstrated how bad an idea it is to put this person in a position where they need to resist you. <laughs> Quite true. Uh, I'd also like to point out that if uh, data is being treated fully as property, uh, I would hope that the uh, Federation law means that he's now outside the ability to commit crimes as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might be time for a little data rampage, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that is true. No one had mm-hmm. that one. Like, you know, if the Enterprise computer accidentally shuts off life support, it's an accident. You know, no one's going <laughs> to gonna arrest the computer, are they? Indeed. <laughs> Our uh, second prize here is the Everybody Loves Robots prize, which goes to Maddox because he loves robots so much, he thinks Data is nothing more but a prototype of a whole race of robotic slaves. You know, uh, robotic uh, ro- uh, robot is, I believe, uh, uh, originally Czech for uh, forced labor, and uh, that's kind of what he's looking for here. What does he win, Gepwin? Yep, forced labor. <laughs> Rossum's Universal Robots. Mm-hmm. He wins... Oh, robotics kit? They've got to have some really cool advanced robotics kits in the future, right? And mm-hmm. I know Star Trek technology is a little weird. I get I get that Star Trek technology is a little weird. But there's got to be a pretty massive gulf between robot that can pick up my groceries and assemble cars and fully sentient living being. Indeed. <laughs> Right? you got to be able to make something in the middle there, don't you? Yes. Uh, I believe uh, even before they ran into the uh, magical uh, super-intelligent sphere thingamajig there, uh, Discovery had some, like, uh, maintenance robots just kind of hanging around. So, some of those, I guess? Yeah. Hmm. Our uh, next prize is the Mockery of Justice prize, because Lavoie, you know, is going to get this one. Because, you know, as I've already mentioned, because having Riker as the opposing counsel is an obvious conflict of interest and a clear attempt to try to sabotage the proceedings in the name of fitting this all in an episode. I mean, <clears throat> no, in, I mean, in, uh, to have an excessively speedy hearing, that is to, uh, you know, and so this all kind of calls into uh, question that this is actually justice at all. 
And, you know, what this is is ridiculous. What does Lavoie win, Gepwin? Lavoie wins a lot of Reichner stalling tactics that he probably should have used. You know, he needs mm-hmm. discovery. He needs a lot of time for research. This is new case law. Yes. <laughs> the, it's probably going to take him years or months to be properly equipped to argue this case if he's supposed to do it to the best of his ability. And if he doesn't do it to the best of his ability, then she's already agreed that she's just going to rule against data. Mm-hmm. So you don't want him to do it unprepared. Yes, like, and- you know, he's just going to the letter of the law here. And so maybe it's time to call in some of those assistants that uh, Lavoie didn't have to... Uh, to come help out. Oh, now that they're here, they can actually take over entirely. So, you know, that can be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's any legal system that goes from challenge to trial in under 24 hours probably has some fundamental problems. Indeed. <laughs> Our final uh uh you know, uh, prize today is the Picard speech, which goes to course picard naturally for uh, drawing attention to the realities of what data actually is versus what maddox wants him to only be to merely be the uh this the uh the vision of the autonomous robot that is as good as a person but in some ways more able and things like that you know that maddox is like this is merely a an automaton this isn't a person what's picard win picard gets to be in the dorm room inspirational poster trade it's like picard <laughs> with some quotes from his speech just hanging on the walls like you can do it i'm sure that's all over the academy <laughs> but to cut picard the meme he is on our wall picard with his hand face palming yeah everyone seems to forget the picard speeches everyone has picard memes of the of the face palms and other things and everyone's annoyed by how preachy and moralistic next gen got like the picard <laughs> speech is the like, y'all have obviously forgotten, even the people writing Star Trek have obviously forgotten where this series is supposed to go. It's supposed to be the morally good guy on the screen is telling you how wrong you are, you idiot. Yes. <laughs> That's the entire show. Now, uh, I know there's uh, a lot of folks with critiques for Star Trek Picard, but uh, one of my favorite moments uh, in that uh, series was uh, still Picard saying, you know, going, I'm going to, you know, teach by example. And he's like, no, I'm going to, like, stand up for these people and, you know, because they're people. Come on. <laughs> uh, but anywho, uh, that's all I got here for this week, uh, Gepwin. Feel free to take us away. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this appropriately unhinged rendition of the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. Woo! Oh, uh, did you uh, notice the battle bridge in this one? Yeah, because they keep reusing that set for various things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the trial room for uh, those playing at home was uh, just a reworked uh, version of the battle bridge set. Yeah, which I think they use again in uh, something where they're racist against Romulans. Hmm. So I guess we have that to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next episode after this one. Um, I don't know why it's called this, but uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange, strange name. So, uh, back in the day, there was like uh, this country called France, you see, <laughs> and it used to have the king, and uh, there was like uh, I don't know, like a, a, a 
not sure if it was a full title or like a, um, a nickname, but uh, sometimes like the guy in charge is called like the Dolphin, but like more when he was a prince, maybe. I should probably do some actual research on this instead of just talking on my ass. But also like Joan of Arc was involved somewhere. So that obviously means that we're going to be having uh, some castle sieges this next episode, right? Yeah. So this is the episode that in my entire life I misread as the Dolphin. Which is like, you know, pretty close to how it's actually pronounced. So yeah. So it's the Dolphin, apparently. Dolphin. It's French again. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's French again. It's French. And, uh, I'm surprised they made it to the last consonant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you have like an I-N in French, it's you know, it's like a special occasion. <laughs> I know nothing about French, so yeah. <laughs> My general rule with French is read to the like second to last vowel and ignore the rest of the word. One of my uh, favorite words in uh, French is mieux. Yeah, it's it's spelled with 16 letters? Uh, close. Uh, it has three <laughs> vowels in the middle and it ends in an X. <laughs> I feel like people who start who started writing these things just like use X to stand in for any random noise. Kind of. It's like uh, we need something weird. Um, X's are weird. <laughs> this is something that I learned. Sorry, this is this is something that I learned. I'm I'm still not going to pronounce it completely correct, but this is like an al- an alternate pronunciation. You know the um the oxalotls, the the little marine animals that everyone yeah. likes now. Which I can't That's pronounce. A, that's a massive mispronunciation, apparently. Oh, that's why I can't can't pronounce it. Apparently, it's a lot closer. Like this is still like apparently a regional variant, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it still. Apparently, it's a lot closer to Ashilok. Ashilok. <laughs> I guess that kind of makes sense because they just put random X's in words when when English people don't know how to write them. I, I guess uh, similar things have happened with the Chinese, of course. Uh, sorry, is this a uh... A, a, a ching with a with a C or an X here? Uh, yeah. Shin. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to talk about uh, uh, personhood in terms of corporations. No, oh, they're not. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't arrest them, then they're not people. <laughs> but you can't. The, what was that? The law you says can't, they, uh, they can make decisions, and that's important. Uh, what was the thing? You can't. Uh, you can't public you can't publicize the losses and privatize the gains yeah that's uh that's a thing that we do in america sometimes <laughs> yeah corporations aren't people that was a idiotic free speech argument that was pushed through um with some weird legal shenanigans in order to say that uh, money is the same thing as talking so that you can get around donation laws yes and yeah. so now uh we got to special cl- uh, legal entity uh that you know is corporations that you know don't have all the responsibilities of a person but has s- some of the specific rights yeah only in very specific cases where it's convenient to the people who own the corporations yes <laughs> so that's nonsense yeah and something we should probably get rid of but anyway, the next episode is that one where there's a shape changer and Wesley's kind of transphobic. Yes. It's like, oh no, you don't look like I want you to look like. And that's a problem, I guess. But yeah. I'll get over myself by the end of the episode. Yeah, right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, screw you, Wesley. Whoever wrote you in this episode knew you were an annoying little twerp. Uh. Well, uh, I have the, the writers here if you want me to list them. <laughs> yeah, I know who wrote it. I have it here. <laughs> but which one wrote that bit? Hmm? 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, at least too... they're saying he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, I, I'd say that, uh, you know, maybe there's a responsibility for everyone involved. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's the Wesley thing. There's the shape changer girl. That's it. That's yeah. all. Oh, also, there's like a, a moment to the holodeck where they're like staying on an asteroid, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Kind of cool, neat. but yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess we're on an asteroid now. <laughs> yeah, cool. Good job. <laughs> anyway, next time it's a lot of awkward teenage flirting by people who don't know how to write teenagers, essentially. Yes. And, uh, I kind of, uh, so, some of my friends uh, have been getting on VR chat and, uh, you know, watching Star Trek. I, I miss the, uh, the the watching of this one. I, I would have loved what people were snarking about on that. So. Mm. Well, I, I do like how uh, there's, there's at least one person credited as furry animal. <laughs> yep <laughs> huge and large and uh tries to beat up wharf yeah, yeah. prove the situation is serious yes <laughs> hmm. cindy Sorensen. but yeah next time horrible stupid episode about wesley having a crush on someone and then not having a crush on someone and then deciding it's all fine at the end because he's discovered chocolate yes and chocolate makes all the difference yeah also the like fifth time we've encountered shapeshifters before we get to ds9 going what's this a shapeshifter oh my god we've never seen that before <laughs> well these ones i guess have certain limitations maybe they have to be maybe. between this size and this size they can be glowy energy or they could be uh, you know uh, fuzzy monsters or something like that maybe they've never yeah. really said all right that's all that's it we're done next time on watchers of tomorrow Wesley goes on a date. You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Mori's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs>